Right, good evening listeners, welcome to the Big Issues Podcast, I am Dowd Khan, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how Obamacare was signed and enacted into law. I have sent the meeting details over to Mr Roxburgh, James will grace us with his presence at any moment, and whilst he's waiting, I'm going to turn the lights on. I forgot to do that. Right, let's begin. So, whilst James is taking an eternity to come into the the, the chat of the of the the call of the good podcast people, um, just two seconds, dear listeners. Oh, he's arrived. Good lord. Aha, he's alive. I am alive, guys. You are alive. You are not. You are. You are still alive. That's good news. <laughs> That's something I tell myself every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Speaking of health and being alive, that is quite a good joke for, for the start of the episode, which is going to be about passing <clears throat> Obamacare into law. Why is my throat gone dry all of a sudden? Yeah, we're going to talk about passing the of the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, known to the, uh to us us people as Obamacare into law. Not just the provisions, but how do we get from two thousand and nine? How do we get healthcare? How did healthcare become signed act into law? What did they go through the Congress? How did they get by in? And how was it that an effort started by President Theodore Roosevelt, President Franklin Roosevelt, President Harry Truman, President John F. Kennedy, President Lyndon Johnson, President Richard Nixon, President Bill Clinton, how they couldn't get healthcare reform done. Well, Johnson is because he did Medicare, Medicaid, but how the rest of them couldn't get healthcare reform done, yet Obama could get healthcare reform done. For the 64 episodes in which I have mocked, been rude about President Obama, this is a um, repayment for all those times where I shall be seeing this. This is, this is an apology. Yeah, this, yeah, this, exactly. So this is an apology for all the times I've in, been unpleasant to the former president by doing an episode on arguably one of his, probably the greatest domestic policy achievement of the eight years, which is uh, passing Obamacare into law. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I've always, I mean, to be fair, he didn't, have, he didn't have much more domestic policies after that, did he? No. Uh, you right, Dad? Yeah. Get out, man. Bloody hell. Put that into my tissue. Got some bloody things stuck in my tongue and it won't come out. Now it's come out. Okay. I just thought you pulled out your tooth now. No, no, no. <laughs> my, my, no, no. My teeth are all still intact. I don't have those teeth. No, I don't have full teeth. <laughs> I don't know. My teeth are all intact, just not my legs. All right, okay. Well, teeth are more important, Dad. Quite, <laughs> quite. Um, but yeah, no, because after that, what was it? It was the deficit. It was the, the debt ceiling, then the fiscal cliff, mm-hmm. and then gun control, then immigration reform. So yeah, this was probably the last major domestic policy initiative passed through the Congress that actually worked. I mean, yeah, 
American Rescue Plan wasn't a domestic initiative, that was a recovery plan. Infrastructure, well, to a point, I suppose. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that President Biden hasn't done fantastic things, 12 million new jobs, the CHIPS Act, the 800,000 jobs for the 800,000 manufacturing jobs, the pact out the veterans. In what, what about, didn't, um, didn't Biden have the two trillion pound investments on infrastructure, like roads and stuff like that? That was, that was President Biden, but is that really a massive domestic... Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying, yeah. That's, I wouldn't say Biden, to, yeah. I, yeah, but that's not, yeah, President Biden did that, but I wouldn't say that's a, like an original domestic policy initiative. No, true, true. You know, Reagan and Bush did road, did lots of roads. It's the only thing those two idiots could do. Roads, roads, let's build some roads. <laughs> Tax cuts for the rich and building more roads. That was the Reagan-Bush economic philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. Tax cuts for the rich, build more roads, so the tax cuts that the rich hide can go for yeah, better cars. can go and drive on those roads. <laughs> do you know what I think about talking about roads? It reminds me of when, you know Sir Fred, you know Sir Fred Goodwin? Mm, yeah. Of RBS. You know he had his own private road built from RBS headquarters to an airport in Scotland. <laughs> I think there's no way they're on like private roads. I mean, that's when you know you've made it. It's when you can oh, when you can get the council to build you a road. Just for him. Nobody else Just can drive on the road. I Fred Goodwin road. <laughs> right. Imagine he has the All Fred right. Goodwin C and then go, We are sailing. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, let's begin. Four people cannot understand what the hell we're about to find about Fred Goodwin's roads. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. How are we going to take this? Well, should we do. Um... Should we just start, should we do alternate? Yeah, probably right. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, bloody hell. Right. Uh could you start, James, whilst I close that window? I forgot yeah, to close yeah, my window. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. obviously. My window's closed, I can still hear a helicopter blaring out of my house. Wait, they're coming to get you down. Yeah, probably are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on and start with okay, the election. Yeah, so so in 2008, as we all know, Barack Obama got elected <coughs> and was the first black president to become, uh, the first black man to become president. Um, this, uh, with three, uh, 365 electoral votes, and McCain, what, uh, he beat McCain, who only had 173 electoral votes, mm. uh, which was which was basically 72.9% of the vote to Obama, 54.7% of the vote to McCain. Now, with the Democrats winning the House with the say two, those with figures two, again, James. Say those figures again. Obama with fifty two point nine percent, and McCain with fifty. Oh, thirty. Oh, forty five point seven percent. I was going to say no. I was going to say no. Republicans got fifty four percent of the votes since Reagan. Yes. Whoops. My mistake. My mistake. My mistake. Forty. That would imply they're actually uh, popular. <laughs> <laughs> so with with the Democrats winning the House in uh, with two hundred fifty seven to one hundred seventy eight. Uh, the House, since the first, uh, for the first time since 1992, was where the Democrats won the House twice in a row, and with and also won the Senate with 49 to uh, 59 to 41. Uh, the final time the Democrats kept the Senate since 1992. Um, yeah. yeah, so now you're gonna, 
you can talk about what happened in 2009. Yeah, so the Democrats, <clears throat> after, keep, after being the first, re, the, the, it was the first time they won the re-elected Congress since 92, of course, they won the re-elected Congress, and Gingrich won the revolution in 94, and the Republicans had 12 years where they just imposed misery on people. Um, yeah. You know, from shutting down the federal government, trying to privatise Medicare, to repealing Glass-Steagall, to the Bush tax cuts, the Iraq war, to trying to privatise Social Security, domestic Hurricane Katrina, the list goes on and on and on and on with these people. The Democrats take back the House in 06, build on the majority in 08. So what's the first thing they have to address? It's the, the financial crisis. So as as listeners would know, if you listened to our podcast last week, the Grand Bargain episode, which was actually my second favourite episode of all time recording, uh, the Supreme Court episode still mm-hmm. remains my first. The Grand Bargain was my second favourite yeah, yeah, episode yeah. of all time to record. They passed the $787 billion stimulus in two weeks. There was a thousand pages that nobody had time to read because it took 72 hours to pass. And they got Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi to write the bill with no Republican input. They said, can we all work together now, please? That's all you need to know about the stimulus. An absolute absurd, (laughs) absurd, ludicrous, stupid bill that had $787 billion of provisions in it. Most of which was, some of it was needed. Some look. Those of you who remember the podcast will know episode 52, I did an episode called How to Do the Stimulus. And there was a $2 trillion package I developed of $500 billion tax cuts, a trillion of infrastructure, $500 billion of direct relief. And that was a proper stimulus you do. This was just a mixture of tax cuts, a mixture of investment, and a mixture of infrastructure. It doesn't fix the problem. So it passed this, I think it was 242 to a, was it 242? Yeah, 246 to 183 and 6038 in the Senate. And it got no Republicans in the House. Not one. Not one House Republican voted for this. One, I think it was two, I think it was Olympia Snow and Susan Collins in the Senate voted for it. I mean, and Spe- Alan Specter might have voted for it as well. So it's three Republicans in the Senate. But famously, the Democrats say, well, this shows Republicans aren't willing to work with Obama. No. What this shows is that, on, as, a, as, as astute listeners of last week would know, that on the 2nd of February 2009, Eric Cantor went to President Obama with a white paper. Eric Cantor, of course, is the House Majority Leader, sorry, the House Minority Whip, basically the second most powerful House Republican, and gave him a white paper of all the Republicans' tax cuts, 500 billion of the tax cuts he wanted. And the, Obama looked at all these tax cuts, obviously, now, but personally, I think Republicans are... You know, there we are. Um, uh, yes, I think I think uh, insert insert hand gesture. Um, but the the Obama read the tax cuts and said, "Well, I'm not going to look give us full detail right now, but there's nothing crazy here." Now, if he'd done what Bill Clinton had done, which is basically take about half of, and take about three quarters of them and make that the tax cut section of the stimulus, you'd have given re- Republicans a reason to vote for the stimulus. Obama said, no, it's my way, the highway, elections have consequences. And then they also said, why did no Republicans vote for the stimulus? I, I wonder why. <laughs> it, it baffles me, these people, honestly. So after passing, stim- after passing stimulus, then the question is, what's next, right? And there's a genuine split. So you've got the economic team, you have, you know, um, Tim Geithner and Larry Summers all saying, let's do fix the economy. 
They want to regu yeah. re-regulate the markets. They want to create a public works programs and get back to full employment. Basically, recreate a mix of the Roosevelt and Clinton economy. You have Ron Manuel, the White House Chief yeah. of Staff, who wants to basically do financial service reform. Basically, go and nationalize the banks, go and get taxed their bonuses, go and mess up their, the core executives and basically create a series of cooperatives. Good idea. Yeah. And he said that you had the momentum to do healthcare reform, and you had Obama and Vice President Biden was seriously against doing healthcare reform. And it wasn't why he's a Democrat. Well, he'd seen the Nixon plan die, he'd seen the Kennedy plan die, he'd seen the Long plan die, he'd seen the Carter plan die, he'd seen the Bush plan die, he'd seen the Clinton healthcare plan die, he'd seen the Monaghan plan die, he'd seen, the, he'd seen, he's had to agree for too many healthcare plans that have died in his time in the Senate. And he's like, come on, I've seen this for 45 years. It's gone too many times now. But Obama said, yeah. this, yes, this is about healthcare, but it's not just about healthcare. It's about can we also still do big things as a country? Which I yeah. think is spot on. Um, I'm interested, which one of those three would you have done, by the way? Healthcare. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Especially um, in America. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yes, yes. When we're going to come to a section called provisions of the healthcare bill, we're going to take a look at some of the provisions. And my favorite, James, my favorite one is the insurers are not allowed to drop people when they become ill. <laughs> so I did some research on that. And it turns out in 2007, six million people lost their coverage once they were admitted in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> that's like um that's like imagine 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 happening imagine that your house your house got broken into yeah or your house got broken into oh so you're not valid anymore now <laughs> yeah no more home insurance for you it's ridiculous that's addictive i mean look you want to know my view on insurance on health insurance companies i'm gonna give it to you right now if you say to somebody pay us this fixed monthly payment every month and if you get sick we will cover you and then when you get sick, they decide not to cover you. What would we call that in standard normal world? Fraud. Ah, uh -huh. yes, it's called fraud. And yet most people just call that insurance companies. So if you'd like to know everyone health insurance <laughs> companies, that is my view. They are fraudsters. Um, hence, episode, one of the episodes where I said I would rather, if ever took out health, private health insurance, James was allowed to come into my house and beat me. Yeah, uh, I, and I, I'm still I, waiting. I'm still waiting. I'm never going to take it out, my friend. That's why I'm, I'm comfortable to make that guarantee. That's a shame I bought that baseball bat for no reason, then. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's what that was the division. So healthcare was now. Why is the Democrats got the hand uh, healthcare such an issue? You have to remember the Democrats have had their hands burnt on healthcare reform before. The last Democratic president in his first two years, what was his big concern, President Clinton? The Clinton health care plan, where he basically said, my wife has written up this amazing 1,300-page reform for universal health care. Uh, please now, Congress, pass it. And uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, the great Daniel Patrick Moynihan, Democrat from New York, uh, saw this plan and said, I'm not going to read it, threw it in the bin and set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he he later wrote his memoirs. It heated up the office for many months to come. <laughs> and that was the feeling among Democrats and Republicans was the impos- So what? So what did it? So that that's why remember they didn't have the Senate. They didn't have the AMA. They didn't have the insurance companies. They didn't have the Republicans. So in effect. The whole of the Clinton, even Bill Clinton, is an extremely smart guy, and I admire him a lot, as everybody knows. He couldn't pass health care reform, partly because people on the left found his health care reform plan offensive because it was using the free marketplace. The people on the right found health care reform offensive because it was giving people, it, it, it was helping the ill become better. <laughs> now, this Making the ill people better causes a natural disdain for people on the right. Uh, because they can't make money out of them. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's their problem. So yeah, so basically Clinton did not have, he didn't build in the groundwork, see. He'd spent a year doing the budget. He'd spent doing NAFTA, the Brady Bill, the handgun ban, and handgun was 94. But by the time healthcare came about, he didn't have congressional buy-in. So... What did Obama do? And this is where, oh, this is where Ron Manuel did this so differently. Was he decided we're going to not allow Congress the excuse of this is uh, basically us sticking it down their throats? So they decided to staff the White House with people who were in Congress. So you had uh, Pete Roush, who was Tom Democrats Majority Leader Tom Daschle. Pete Roush was his chief of staff. You had Peter Orzak, who was mm. the head of the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO. You had Melanie Barnes, who was Ted Kennedy's uh, chief of staff. You had Robert Waxman, who was a communications director, for none other than Senator Joe Lieberman. So, you know, this Phil Shalero, who worked as Nancy Pelosi's uh, legislative director. So basically, they brought people in the White House who were not pastime as these people were around only till the you know the election for heaven's sake. So what the president's first idea? The president's first idea was a very good idea. It was this. It was did it was it healthcare? Was it was it to march up first? Oh no, this is oh right. Oh okay. So oh yeah, they brought okay, the wait, that okay, you actually get to explain that bit. Okay. So I was saying Dashell. So he tried to make Senator Tom Daschle, the former majority leader, who was the Democrat senator from South Dakota. I, I know, I know the obvious contradiction there. But yes, there was a time when Democrats had senators from South Dakota. George McGovern, Tom Daschle. Only till five years ago, we had a senator from North Dakota, Heidi Heidkamp, who was perceived by Ken Conrad. I know, I know. Now quite stunning. Um, he was made to be Obama's HHS secretary at Health and Human Services. And he was forced to step down. Why was he forced to step down and not become the nominee? Because Max Bocchus, the Democrat chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, uh, and I'm not, I've been told I'm not allowed to swear on the podcast, so I'm just going to say he's the equivalent of a miserable frump who has little to no personality and is just on, if you want to be bored into submission, listen to Max Bocchus speak. Um, he is so right-wing that even Republicans think he's too a bit too gaga for them. I mean... We'll come on to Mac, why I hate Max Barkus a bit later, but he was chairman of the Senate Finance Committee and he allowed Republicans to sit there and read through all of Tom Daschle's finance statements. Daschle was, the controversy was after he stopped being majority leader and resigned, he decided to cash in his service and not pay taxes on a limousine he got. Now, 
First question. Why are there taxes on limousines? I looked at this, it's called gift taxes. Get rid of these gift taxes. We don't need taxes on gifts. Gifts are charitable. The state does not need to tax charitable things. But it makes yeah. but it makes Christmas really funny, Doug. <laughs> I bought you this thirty thousand pound Audi. Good, you'll pay a twenty five percent capital gains tax on it. You can just trap your friends into financial debt. I know not on Valentine's Day, you buy your wife a new house and it costs eight hundred thousand dollars into your name. Two hundred thousand capital gains tax. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is to stop practices like that. We must abolish these gift tax rules and the estate taxes. It's like Liz Truss is back out today calling for the abolition of the inheritance tax. Quite right. Quite You're right. Not applauding Liz Truss, are you, Doug? No, I'm applauding the abolition of the inheritance tax. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm a bit sad that Liz Truss is the one who's calling for it because it means I actually have to, I can't take the mick out of people calling for it. I can't mention the fact that she's the woman woman nearly crashed all our pension funds, destroyed the economy, and allowed us to go 34 points ahead in the polls in the space of four weeks. So, abolished the 45p top rate. It was so right wing that even bankers said to her, You're too useless. <laughs> so, I'm sad because I can't say all that. Oh, wait, I just did. Um, God, every time that one pops their face in the news, we just keep going up in the poll. Aaron Johnson, Aaron Johnson, brilliant. Uh, absolutely, they are the best campaigners for the Labour Party we've had for decades. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Max, so Dashiell resigned, and that was very similar to the way Zoe Bid had resigned as Clinton's Attorney General in 1993. Dashiell resigned, and they decided to make who do who remembered it. And with Dashiell gone, and with Teddy Kennedy dying, who been asked to head up the healthcare reform effort? Max Bockus. And why do and why do we not trust Max Bockus? Simple, because when he was re-elected in two thousand eight, Max Bockus had taken two and a half million dollars from the private health insurance groups. Now, firstly, it should be a rule for Democrats: you are not allowed to take money from private health insurance groups. Number one, and number two, is that the man you want to head up universal health care? A man who's literally in debt to private insurance firms. Anyways, t- tell us about the idiotic, ideological schizophrenic from Montana known as Max Bocas. Yeah, so... I assume... Oh, no, it doesn't start with Max Bocas. It, starts with, uh, it starts with Obama. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, anyway, yeah, it starts so, with Obama. Uh, so, so, this... So, we, as Daryl just pointed out, and this was, this was the beginning of 2009, so basically the yeah. start of Obama's tenure, proving what he is. And then... So, and then... In February 29th, 2009, President Obama decided to do healthcare reform in his joint session address to Congress. He said, let there be no doubt healthcare reform cannot wait. It must not wait. And it will not wait another year. Now, he didn't say like that. He said it a lot more Obama-like. But he did say... Let us be clear. (laughs) Healthcare reform cannot wait. It must not wait. And it will not wait another year. (laughs) A bit more like that. um, Yeah, a bit more like that. Um, but in March, on March the fifth, two thousand nine, um, uh, Rahm Emanuel decided yeah. to bring an an uh, in a all opposed to healthcare reform for a public summits, not, uh, notably at uh, Karen Langley, uh, Langley, Langley, Ignani, Ignani. 
Oh, Ignagi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ignagi. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, um, the chief executive of American Health Insurance uh, yeah. plans. Um, this was genius. Public, this was uh, genius from Ram because what he did was simple. Let's bring all our enemies and our friends into a room. Bring them all yep. in. Come on, on you come. Pharmaceutical people, health insurance people, the liberals who, who believe in our cause. Everyone, let's come and have a chat. That is how you do it. Why? If everyone has a stake from the start, no one can bash you over the head. Yeah. <laughs> Good strategy. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah, Very so... Firm. Um, so... Besides, that in anyway, public, you can uh, insult them much easier. And in public, uh, said to uh, President Obama, uh, you have our commitment to play and to contribute uh, and get healthcare reform done this year, which yes. would reorder the debate to getting it done, not fighting. Getting it, it, would, done by not because, fighting so. it would, because it means for the first time ever, the people, who, all the people who are opposed to the AMA, HIP, pharmaceutical companies, who are, you know, naturally interested in the Republican Party on healthcare, if they're sitting at the table making deals with us, then the spine that holds the Republican Party together on healthcare collapses. Yeah. And it means a lot of the opposition, a lot of the media opposition, a lot of the funding for the opposition, which comes from AHIP, from A, from, let's say from AEI, they just come from AEI, from AMA and Pharma, goes away. You neutralise them or convert them into friends, which is something one president yeah. knew how to do that. His name was Lyndon B. Johnson. He was the expert. Mm. Except yeah. in Vietnam. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, so basically as Dow said, they're basically committing themselves to, yeah, we're going to get this done. And But as they were debating with the health insurance lobby, uh, Ignani, I can't, I can't pronounce this guy's name. Ignani, 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 yeah. Ignani, Ignani. Okay, yeah. Um, except the principle of universal health insurance, if everyone was required to take it out of private insurance, some people could be locked into their uh, ridiculous system. So they're basically saying, yeah, 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 we like it, but make us a monopoly, please. They said that yeah. to a democratic government, and they said, can you make, make us, us a monopoly, monopoly please? <laughs> I mean, it's the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard of in my life. Because what it is, is first of all, they want to make it into the Swiss system, basically, where everyone has to buy into their rules. But secondly, is that the public option, right? So the public option is the health insurance, which Obama supported, which Hillary Clinton supported, which John Edwards supported, which is an article of faith for virtually every Democrat. They said, get rid of that. Uh, Patients' Bill of Rights, get rid of that. Just allow everyone to buy the private insurance. So, so their solution was this. Allow private health insurance companies to become much richer. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, we've been it's there. Sweet. We've done that. It doesn't work. Out. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, Obama had supported a public option of a yeah. public insurance company. Um, yeah. Which was taken, which but was taken out the middle edge uh, in the final draft. But the mm-hmm. Democrats, uh, though they controlled the Senate, they had to pass it through Finance Committee, as with mm-hmm. uh, Tom Daschle, uh, and with Tom Daschle not being there and take any dime, and with Max Bacchus, uh, Bacchus, 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 um, had to lead the the bill. Uh, Max Bacchus, Conservative Democrat Senator from Montana, 
And um, when winning when running for uh, re-election in two thousand and eight, uh, Bacchus got two point five million dollars for private from private health groups. And when dealing and uh, when dealing with Ignagi, Ignagi, you're like with William Shatner trying to pronounce Didier Drogba's name. <laughs> This guy's name is impossible to pronounce. It's woman's name. Oh, 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 yeah. That explains that explains. Karen Ignani. Yeah, Karen Ignani. Yeah. 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 Ignani. That's a nice throw of abuse. Karen. Stupid name. Anyway, she wanted to write the bill with everybody take with everyone taking out private private drugs, and it. As as inevitably, it achieved nothing, yeah. and <laughs> and then by April the twenty first, two thousand and nine, in the first Senate hearing on healthcare reform, uh, Bocus was not allowed to have a discussion on on the public option. Decided to arrest five protesters for one thing: a public option. So as, as only can Max Bocus can do. Yes, 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 absolutely. And as you can tell, really. Really putting the democratic nature of the United States into it. Yeah, <laughs> Allow forty-one. He basically has the massive a hearing. We have forty-one witnesses, all from the private health insurance sector, all from the banking sector, all from the venture capital sector, all from the insurance industry, all from the health lobby, but none from what they call patients groups, and none mm. from public options. I mean that phrase, the patients groups. Patients are the healthcare system. That that's like that's like saying we want to do a hearing on the fire service. Let's get the firemen groups to come in, or we want to have a hearing on schools. Let's get the student or the teacher groups. No, no, they are literally the system. That is the purpose of your existence, honestly. So yeah, these people, <laughs> dear oh dear. So these people, the uh, public health public option people, they wanted to have one person there. Whilst there were 41 saying, why is that an idea? And they said, no. So they protested and they were arrested for protesting. And he's like, what does that achieve? All you've just done is you've arrested people, given national television credence for their cause, and you made yourself look like a bit of a muppet. <laughs> so good, good job there, lads. Good job, Max. Right, so 2nd of June 2009, the first deal comes about. And it's on... Prescription drugs. Ah. Oh. <laughs> we neutralise our That's first enemy. Prescri- Prescription drugs has never, has never caused an issue ever, has it? No, no, never, never. I mean, we're not going to, we're certainly not going to talk about, we're certainly not going to talk about the man involved in this deal was a complete libertine imbecile, but we'll come on to him, um, which is where the White House had to do a deal with Mr. Billy Tozen. Mr. Billy Tozen, our I grant that, since I only heard this name five weeks ago, but I do not think anybody in this country knows who Billy Tozen is. Well, you're in for a ride, my friends. You're in for a ride on this utter <laughs> evil pe- utter evil prat. Billy Tozen was a Republican congressman from Louisiana who went in 2003 when George W. Bush, uh, Mr. I'm a wartime president, never actually won any of the elections he ever contested for the presidency, when he decided to ram through... The, pri- the partial privatization of Medicare, uh, again, I mean, this this is quintessential George Bush. So the, the Senate produced a bill that gets 100 to zero 
which basically ensures the public integrity of Medicare for a bit more funding, raises the tax marginally, promotes efficiency and a bit of competition in the public system. That gets 100 to zero. Mm. The Republicans want our private options put into Medicare, private providers of drugs into Medicare, no tax increase, and just all spending. Passes 218 to 216 the first time round. Which one do you think George Bush decides to endorse and put through? Uh, ooh. Was it the worst option? Yeah, the House bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the House bill, yes. And Mr. Billy Tozin was the leader of this idiotic notion. And this is why everyone should love Billy Tozin. He decided, now, in there's a rule that you could only have the House vote floor open for a vote for 20 minutes. And you can only delay it for another 10 minutes. Yeah. This man had such a command of the House rules that in order to flip three votes to get the vote passed by one, 216, 215, he decided to keep the House open for guess how long, James? Remember, 20 minutes with a possible 10-minute extension. Okay, I think, I, think he, I think he's a reasonable guy. I think he only did maybe 40 minutes. Six and a half hours. No, he's, a, he's not a reasonable guy. <laughs> Six and a half hours. He did that by declaring 21 votes invalid, having his own supporters going on the floor staging a protest and being able to vote. And this is what I love about Tozen. So he has 21 members to invade the floor for a protest and Tozen moves the motion. We should spend 20 minutes deciding whether to take each one up one by one. So 20 minutes on each <laughs> member on the floor. But... <laughs> That gets cut down to five minutes, but still another hour and 15 to get these two people on board. I mean, he was a mental matter. Anyways, so then he leaves Congress to do take a lot job in big ph- in pharmaceuticals at a $2 million a year, and he cuts a deal with the White House to cut prescription drugs by $80 billion over 10 years, or by about yeah. $15 a year for the average American. Now, Mark Cuban, the great Mark Cuban, we bow to him has shown how you modernise prescription drug costs, where he's cut prescription what? drug costs by 90%. How's he cut them by 90%? Not by reducing quality, not by reducing manufacturing, not by reducing R&D, by simply abolishing the markup price. The markup price is how you pay administrators, how you pay the chief executives, how you pay the board, how you pay the shareholders. He says, get rid of that markup price, and let's only charge people for the cost of R&D and sale. And cost plus mm-hmm. drugs is now taking off as a result. But yes, the White House is, is, not- this Mark, is this the same Mark Cuban who was uh, who's on uh, Shark Tank or Dragon's Den or whatever it's called in America? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're not a fan of him. No, no, I don't mind him. I just, I, uh, I, I just, I just want to know it's the same guy. Yeah, same guy. Uh, yeah. So, so what happens? So, the, so after cutting the deal with Big Pharma and cutting the deal on prescription drugs, which is fine, they neutralised Billy Tozin, they neutralised the pharmaceutical lobby, which is quite a miracle. Mm. The Senate Finance Committee passed the American Healthy Futures Act, which is Max Bocas's bloody health insurance bill, fourteen to nine with one Republican vote. They actually were crafting a bill to get uh, a bipartisan support him and Chuck Grassley, who's Republican from Iowa, to get 80 votes on the Senate floor. And they said yeah. no. <laughs> they said, we're not doing that, <laughs> because we're trying to oppose Obama. Well, come on, come on, let, let the man work with him. You might get an interesting bill out the floor. No, no. I mean, because of course, this was because of the Tea Party. 
Um, I can't yeah. tell you my nickname for Tea Party supporters because I think even by my standards, of, um, it probably gets to go too far. <laughs> uh, yeah, but these are the people who, who said to a congressman once, eat your government out of my Medicare. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure they listen there. <laughs> Keep my government out of a government yeah. zone. Yeah, keep your government off my Medicare. Who, which is of course run by the government. That's basically, like that's basically like me shouting. It's like, it's like Rishi saying that. What pattern? Keep your keep your government out of my laws. <laughs> it's basically it's like us saying keep the government out of our NHS. Yeah. No, <laughs> how thick these people are. The the tea. The, sorry, I can't call them that name. Can I? Uh. I'll James, I'll tell you the nickname when we're off like when when we're doing our our, our um <laughs> down briefing call and I'll give you the nickname because I don't otherwise I'll get Harry Aldridge texting me going, You can't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> I'll I'll get a long list of people going, that even uh, I'll get a few other people texting me going, even by your standards, that's exceptionally cruel. <laughs> right. So they passed the American Healthy Futures Act, um, and it's basically, yeah. I'm going to have to keep speaking, otherwise I'll just start bursting out laughing again. Right, so they passed it, and it's basically a private health insurance bill. You can still hear me, right? Yeah. Right, good. It's basically a private health insurance bill. So, for example, it requires everyone to take out private health insurance. It caps premiums to 13% of the income. It has... Um, 13% of income income based payments requires everyone to take out insurance. It creates actually a very idea of uh non for profit health insurance cooperatives. Now, this is an interesting idea actually. Uh, of all credits, Max Barker's developing an interesting idea, which is basically you create individual owned health insurance firms. So, you create a health insurance firm, but instead of the corporation owning it or the executives owning it, it individuals would own it. So, mm -hmm. it'd be like the nationwide of healthcare firms. So, I think that's quite an interesting proposition. Um, it also have yeah. tier-based solutions. So, you'd have bronze, silver, gold plans. And, of course, the bronze plans would have the lowest premiums, highest out-of-pocket costs. And the gold plans would have the highest premiums and the lowest out-of-pocket costs. And, yeah, it ends lifetime limits for healthcare plans. And it also denies people, it also ends den denying coverage for pre-existing conditions. And you might think, yeah. what is a pre-existing condition that 89 million people who had insurance were conveniently being denied care every year for? Let me give you an example of a pre-existing condition. Autism was classified as a pre-existing condition. Being a victim of domestic violence was counted as a pre-existing condition. Uh, having just a, Being having ill. With being ill. Being ill, yes. <laughs> this is, of course, a pre-existing condition to these assholes. Being above below the age of 16 was a pre-existing condition. Being above this age 75 was a pre-existing condition. Having chronic pain in your legs or stomach, that was a pre-existing condition. Mm. In fact, having asthma was a pre-existing condition. I mean, it just seems to me, it, like, any form of illness to these was a pre-existing condition. So, and even Max Barkis can understand that's a nasty thing to get, get rid of it at once. <laughs> at once, get rid of this. I mean, 
There's the old, there's that the heartbreaking story. This is not really funny. This is heartbreaking of a woman who had cancer and didn't declare a case of acne because she didn't know she had it. The insurance company took away her insurance coverage because of this case of acne, which they said was a pre-existing condition, but she didn't even know she had it. And by the time her coverage was reinstated, her cancer had doubled. Wow. I hope people are in favour of insurance companies. I hope after hearing that story, you sleep well tonight. <laughs> I hope they I hope they sleep comfortably. Because honestly, they're going to join the arms manufacturers, the pharmaceutical people, the guns of war lobby. They're all going to hell. People say, why don't you get angry about this, Dad? Because I believe in God and I know they're going to hell. So yeah. we'll be in heaven, you know, enjoy ourselves. And we'll be hearing the screams of those insurance company people with you know, fire up their, their <laughs> bottoms and all these things. Ah! Now, that's the real justice their victims will get because they honestly they have ruins. You know, the Germans have my the Germans' private health insurance firms are my favorite in the world of the Germans. Germans do a lot of brilliant things. This is why I love the Germans. In Germany, they have a law, right? Helmut Kohl brought this in saying you can deny uh, people coverage on their health insurance, uh, even though they pay for it. That's legal. You just have to pay 20 million euros for every time you deny someone coverage. <laughs> That's how you deal with them. Every time you deny someone care that is insured, pay 20 million euros. That's in the law. So in Germany, they don't have this. Your insurance doesn't cover it. It's going to be then they'll have 20 million euros to start paying up. How do you know your insurance covers this a hundred times for you? <laughs> Just... mm. my, what, you? You don't want to pay out my 20,000 euro claim? Well, there's 20 million euro fine waiting for you. <laughs> you decide which one's more important. So that's why in Germany they have, that's why they do pay out the insurance claims because otherwise the government would have this massive wrecking ball that could destroy the company. Actually, I think it was in, I think it actually was in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, they did this. They dealt with them very interestingly. In the Netherlands, they just had to, they just nationalized and broke up one insurance company. Oh, okay. And that's why no insurance company now in in, in the Netherlands seeks to avoid claims. That's good. Because the biggest insurance company in the Netherlands was nationalized and dismantled. Yeah, because because the biggest insurance company is the government. They do not understand. They do not have. An unending printing machine. We do. <laughs> we have an unending printing machine where we can just press it and money will start printing very fast. You don't have that. We can always beat you. <laughs> so, oh yeah, the bill also called for cutting Medicare by four hundred billion dollars, which is bizarre. Two hundred fifty million billion dollars from taxing high insurance plans, and ninety three billion dollars from fees on pharma. So. <laughs> With the lack of a bipartisan plan, Chief of Staff Ram Manuel Tati has been very interesting. He decided to just say, sod Republicans, let's just get this past the Democrats. Good idea. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the few times they could do that, isn't it? Well, yeah, when you have 60 votes in the Senate, it's just like, right. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. Oh, I'll run it through, chaps, run it through. So what about conservatives? They're on 39. Their voice is irrelevant. We, are, <laughs> we have the filibuster. Hey. 
Oh, I mean, we're 60. We're 60. Don't they have enough to overturn the filibuster? Oh, it's yeah. 66, isn't it? Yeah. No, 60, 60. Yeah. 66 is to convict a... Yeah. 60 mm. is to overturn the filibuster, and 66 is to convict an impeached president. Now... Oh, right, OK. That's why Roosevelt always felt secure. <laughs> we'll convict you, Mr. President. I have 70 senators. What are you going to do? <laughs> my seven. I think at one point it's seventy. What do you? What was it seventy-seven at one point? Nineteen thirty-six yeah, was... United States Senate elections. Yeah, like that's weird. Like seventy-seven at some point. Seventy-five. Jesus Christ. Seventy-five. <laughs> that is literally just three quarters of the whole Senate going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not everything. Through. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, the best thing is, you could have 25 people rebel and it would still pass. Still pass. No problem. You want to rebel? Oh, long since they shall rebel. Ah, it's still pass. Matt then there was a Republican coalition. They'd have about really about 83, 84. Everyone yeah. forgets how powerful that man was. The Roosevelt presidency was somewhat the phrase when I think it was Carter Glass came in with an FDR bill and said, here is a bill, let us pass it. <laughs> right. So yeah, Raman Yor said, just stick it to me. Basically, what he believed was, because there was no bipartisanship, he thought, let's do something smaller. He thought, let's do a universal child health insurance bill, basically S-chip nationwide. And Obama wanted to, instead yeah. of doing S-chip nationwide, he wanted to stick with the universal health care he promised at the election. Then came mm. the autumn <laughs> with the Tea Party. The Tea Yep. And I'm not really going to shout at the Tea Party too much. I'm not going to say they have the IQs of single digits. I'm not going to say they know virtually nothing about their government. I'm not going to say most of them can barely read. I'm not going to say most of them are hard right Republicans who want to take America back to the 18th century. I'm not going to say that these people are all in favour of tax cuts for the rich, even though most of them would never understand it because they're so poor that they would never get a tax cut from the rich. I'm not going to say these people have fought a state tax abolition, even though their estates aren't worth even six knots. I'm definitely not going to say that these people weren't brought into politics by George W. Bush and Sarah Palin. And I'm definitely, definitely, definitely not going to say that these people who were brandishing the Obamacare bill haven't read the Obamacare bill. And we know that because, of course, when polls asked in 2010, do you support the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act? 86% of America said yes. Do you support Obamacare? 64% said no. It's the same thing. What are you opposing? <laughs> it is the same thing. It's like, um, what was it? 66% of Americans oppose environmental regulation. 61% of Americans support environmental standards. Mm. Aha. Uh -huh. You know, two-thirds two of Americans think they spend too much money on welfare. And four-fifths of Americans spend, they think they spend too little money on caring for the poor. What do you think <laughs> welfare is precisely? 
Yeah, so the, the, these are the people we're dealing with here. The tea party. The tea party. I'm going very close. I've got to stop, get up, move on quickly, otherwise, I'm going to start letting their nicknames slip. Anyway, so I'm not going to say all those nasty things about the tea party. It's good. It's a good. It's a good job you didn't say any of those, though. No, no. And I'm certainly not going to say that Sarah Palin, a woman who just oh, got hooked yeah. on phonics and can barely speak English properly without sounding like she's got a cattle put up her backside, that she motivated them by becoming nominee. And I'm certainly not going to say that John McCain, arguably one of the best nominees for president in 30 years, made the dumbest choice by picking her. Bro, oh, it's a good job you didn't say that. Okay. I didn't know, it's a good job. I'm not going to say that Republicans would become utterly insane by embracing the Tea Party people, even though they, they, everyone says, why embrace them? Well, these people embrace George W. Bush for president, a man who famously said in two... You know, you know when Hurricane Katrina happened, 2005, right? Yeah. Do you know he was on holiday for the first two days? <laughs> And when he, you know that episode so of, yeah, do you know that infamous photo of George Bush looking out on New Orleans as as Air Force One's flying over New Orleans? Have you yeah. seen that? It's a photograph. Yeah. It's of Air Force One flying yeah, over New it. Orleans, seen, yeah, seen it. and I've George seen it, yeah. Bush looking down below. Not and that brilliantly summarizes the Bush presidency. Aware but not asked. Um. <laughs> That just sums it up brilliantly, the, the Bush presidency. His daddy and Bill Clinton spent more time in, in New Orleans than he did. <laughs> the Bush I mean, I mean, yes, yes, we know what's happening. I just can't be bothered to land this plane. Yeah. You see, you see the damage? see the damage? Yes. We're not doing anything about it, are we? No, Mr. President. Good, good, good. Drive off. I mean... What's their solution? Give uh, the people of New Orleans the money, let them buy their home, right? They took the money and went mm. to Texas, went to Arkansas, went to Tennessee, went to Alabama, went anywhere but Louisiana. Yeah. So New Orleans is now gone. When her- and in fairness to Chris Christie and Barack Obama, when Hurricane Sandy happened, they didn't give the people the money. They said, mm. You apply for the grant, and we'll we'll then use the money to build your home, whatever way you'd like. And that's why no one left uh, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Well, much better of an approach. Uh, but let's move on away from the New Jersey and the Tea Party people. Keep government out of Medicare. God. <laughs> let's do some more Tea Party bashing. So these are the people. Um, the average American, what do you, do you know the average American, the average unemployment rate is, James? In America? Yeah. No, no. 35%. It's okay, 3.6. It's 3.6. Even in the Great Depression, it did not go above 25%. What does the average Tea Party member, a Republican, think the most money spent on in the budget? Foreign aid. They think 25% of the budget goes to foreign aid. It's not point one. <laughs> it's not point one. I mean, I mean, and they're like, well, you got to allow them to speak their mind. They're ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and the media gave them something like these. Oh my god, healthcare reform. They're die now. No, they should. Do you know what Democrats should have done? They should have stood there. They should have listened to the Tea Party people, and they should say, right. Now I'm going to take your accusations one by one, as long as you can remember every word you just said. 
I'm a Frank Blunt. I'm a big fan of Frank. I like Frank Luntz. And he said, how many more times are people on the left going to call people on the right stupid? What's my view on that? As many times as the right keep proving to us they're stupid. <laughs> we, we can't stop if we're given more ammunition by the day. Very hard. Anyways. True. True, true. So Chuck Grassley announced he's not going to back the House bill that passes, Nancy Pelosi's House bill. That's not going to He's not about that. And that's the last major swing vote on bipartisan healthcare is gone. And just as it can't get worse for the Obama administration, with bipartisan healthcare reform virtually dead, the symbolism of healthcare reform for the last 39 years dies with it. August 25th, 2009, Senator Edward Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy, the liberal lion, the man who champions healthcare reform, died. And Mm. with it, went the 60th vote the Democrats had on healthcare reform. And when Teddy Kennedy died, there were people who generally thought healthcare reform should pass, so but should die. So Phil Shalero, who was advisor to President Obama, said mm. to the president, uh, well, Mr. President, it, it, was it? Oh, yeah, because Phil was known by me the third way. He's very much like me, that there's not one end and not the other end, there's always a middle way to fix some problem. I said, well, Mr. President, unless you're feeling lucky, there's not really a middle way. And um, Obama goes to him, Phil, what's my name? And he goes, President Barack Obama. And he goes, where are we? In the Oval Office. And he goes, then of course I'm feeling lucky. Let's, let's go on, let's find that third way. <laughs> it's, I mean, I so Obama, it's decided, President Obama is basically going to head up healthcare reform, Okay. So yep. he goes to Congress for a, a special address on healthcare. And I watched that speech and he's a fantastic I mean, look, he along with Reagan is and Roosevelt is the three best orators in politics. Roosevelt, Reagan, President Obama, without a doubt. And mm. Obama goes, What was it? The time for bickering is over. The time for games has passed. Now is the season of action. Now is where we'll take the best ideas of both parties together and time to get something done. Now let's do something on healthcare. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, he talks about the idea of minimum standards of benefits. He talks about the idea of public option of insurance. He, t- he talks about the idea of regulating private providers, eliminating uh, pocket costs, very liberal ideas. And one Republican congressman, you know, Joe Wilson, who's a sub of lard, um, says to President Obama, in the middle of a speech, you lie. Now, of course, he's a Republican, so he can't speak in full sentences. Um, mm. You know, you're, you, are, you are lying, sir. Let's get the full English right. You are. The R and the E. <laughs> Let's get the English right, not you lie. Um, everyone looked at him disgusted. Now, and the whole media the next year talked about Joe Wilson saying you lie. And I thought, that is the media summed up beautifully. Not talk about a 40-minute substance speech on policy, about health insurance reform. Let's focus on one tub of large congressman being an idiot. And people then yep. say, why is the media not trusted? Because you don't focus on the ideas. You don't focus on the substance. You just focus on, ooh, rude man. Let's give that two days of coverage. Blithering idiots. Yeah. But... The ideas are in the speech. Now, I'm not a journalist, so I will engage on the substance of the reforms. A public option, 
that would have allowed people to take a public insurance model like Germany, regulating out-of-pocket costs, regulating the insurance providers, having a patient's bill of rights back to John Dingle. These are remarkable, remarkable, remarkable reforms. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I passed my, passed my way here, so go on. Yeah, okay, uh, so... So this is. I, 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 I'm inv- I've late. invaded your ground. I've invaded your ground. I know. Yeah, but it's about to declare war, though. So, <laughs> um, so as so, so this is now the late 2009. Should I read all those um, words so, backwards and get um, back to? Yeah, yeah. So I'll just start one. So I can. Yeah. So I read. So I read words backwards so I can make an effective retreat of your land. <laughs> I think you might have to down in there. <laughs> yes, quite, quite. All right, okay, let's Anyway, September um, the 9th. Yeah, so on, on September the 9th, 2009, Obama decided to deliver a joint session of address in Congress and most and uh, and the most prominent line, the time for bickering is over, as, Dad, as you said, and, the, and so on. Um, despite Obama giving a very serious speech, which focused on regulating insurance companies and public uh, options and passing it, now, one Republican, uh, one Republican said, "You lie," to President Obama, whilst he was speaking, and the media gave him more attention than the actual speech. Now, Dowd already pointed this out, but I like to say it again because Dowd invaded my time. Um, so, but then, but then a change, then a change in the tone of uh, to the chief of staff, uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel, decided to pay uh, to say uh, to say to heck with Republicans. And and we've given control of the bill to Harry Reid, Senate Majority Leader, who is focused on the one thing: win the Democrats. Yeah. And as uh, Karen Ig- Ignagi, Ignagi, Ignagi. Yes, Ignagi. That's the best. Yes, I got it. Yes, yes. Best one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, of Amer- of American health insurance uh, plans went out and lambasted at the White House, right, uh, right, rightly identified that a fight with insurance companies is what the doctor ordered. And then on September 17th, 2009, Obama said a speech where he explained about a woman with cancer who was kicked out of her insurance for not declaring a case of acne that she didn't know about. And, and when her coverage was reinstated, her cancer doubled in size. Again, that was only a little bit of personality. Problem. Christ alive, you sound like an administrator reading from a fucking teleprompter. What just what? Well, I am reading from, I am reading from a teleprompter, Dowd. <laughs> You should digest uh, the information whilst I'm speaking, and then lie back and speak it, oh boy. Okay, fine, fine. I don't. I, okay, fine. I, you can't read this in personality, Dan. It's about my insurance. I, I, an insurance I, law. I think I. I think I succeeded. <laughs> just I succeeded reading you, personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, mean, I could. T- I could talk to you about the <laughs> algae in the sea with personality. <laughs> Look at the greenness in the water. Why do we need it there? God, oh, get that, get out at once. <laughs> anyway, but um, mind in... you, let, let's not let's lay off James. He's been studying for his exams very diligently, and these notes were crafted by me, which are most of the time unreadable because they're just filled. Yeah, I'm trying to see what I'm doing here. I'm translating it from Dowd to English. It's <laughs> two different languages. Oh, I mean, James has got three tasks in. He's got to read what I've written. He's then got to make what I've written sound sensible. Then he's got to take out all the abuse, all the rudeness of what I've written, and actually put it into in English. Yeah. So, fair enough. 
It is. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Keep reading, then. You've actually got a, a multifaceted task. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now, anyone who's ever asked, why does that not work with people in groups? That's why you put so much burden <laughs> on us. Try put my words into English. Not because I can't write English. It's because this is why. I, this is why I'm a very big James Roxburgh fan. The amount of abuse I've thrown at insurance companies in my notes is quite a lot, and James has not repeated any of it. I'm like the BBC, unbiased, apart from it's when we're talking about the Conservatives. Then we're yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we become all mocking Republicans for their lack of intelligence. Yeah, um, it's like when John. It's like when Obama was doing Obama was doing. I've got the stimulus. Obama was doing the stimulus, and Republicans said, "This is not a stimulus bill. This is a spending bill." What do you think a stimulus is precisely? (laughs) That is the whole point. It is to spend lots of money. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so what? What? So what? So what you've told the what, what you've told the listeners here now is that the Republicans mm. don't know how government works. No, they don't. Not that's shocking you, not, not, not since the days of Bob Dole have the Republicans even understood a grasping of how government works. <laughs> Honestly, they are anyway, dumbasses. Uh, where was that? I was reading. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading. So, I was reading interesting reading. I'll just one more and then you can carry on. It's um, do you know to yeah. so this is during the war on terror, and Tom Daschle, yeah. the majority leader, said, "Can we at least have some oversight on the expenditures for this uh, war in Afghanistan?" And Tom Delay calls him a traitor. <laughs> what? Let's have some oversight so that we're not wasting a lot of money, and that's our treason, is it? It's like yeah. um, during the night, the Supreme Court illegally anointed George Bush president. Mm-hmm. Right, in my view, in my humble opinion, having read the, the Bush v. Gore decision and having read the Constitution, studied it advancedly for many hours, in my humble opinion, when the Supreme Court violated the Tenth Amendment, states right to rule the Florida Supreme Court ruling and gave George Bush presidency, Tom Delay goes and that, he's Newt Gingrich's deputy when Newt Gingrich was speaker, says we got a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and a Republican president. Now we are the masters, and even Newt Gingrich on a national television and said. No, we're not. We're really not. <laughs> we're really not the masters. <laughs> Newt Gingrich goes, it's a 50-50 Senate, 221 Republicans in the House, 214 Democrats, and a president who just won by four electoral votes. We are not the masters now. <laughs> and yet, what do they do? 1.3 trillion of tax cuts, drilling in Anwar, yep. two illegal wars. I mean, and then they do unitary executive theory to basically let's ignore Congress and everything. And then Republicans and say Obama wasn't bipartisan enough. Yeah, we keep going. <laughs> anyway, so in his weekly address, Obama decided to say the insurance industry is having one last fight to maintain the status quo. They're funding yes. studies to mislead the American people. Um, it's smoking mirrors. And he, and he's completely right about that. Absolutely. Constant, yeah. And the health insurance companies were running ads against the plan with their hidden tax, with their hidden tax nonsense. Um, ah. And, well, it was, it was, it was. I, I have, I have no, I have no, um, yeah. I have no. Hidden tax on medical devices, hidden tax mm. on hospitals, hidden taxes here. 
And it's like they generally thought people were going to go under the hospital bed and see a sign saying, I oh, have in taxes. <laughs> I mean, it they are very bright. It, a, it would defeat the purpose of it being a hidden tax if there's a matter of sign. If they could find it. it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But they're just not, I mean, intelligent, these, these Republicans. I mean, how do you expect yeah. us to fund an $800 billion spending bill? Taxation. Oh, dear. Yeah. And, and two nights before the House bill passed, on November the 5th, uh, John Bonnier, Bonnier, Boehner, yeah, Boehner, Boehner, decided to, Boehner, 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 it is Boehner, I can't read yet, decided to rally against the bills two days later. Right, the House bill passed 220 to 215 with a ban on denying coverage due to the pre-existing conditions, income-based payments um, for Insurance, insurance. And co-pays, a public a public option, and so on. A public option, um, in, or as I like to call it, that's the proper healthcare bill we should have passed. That's the bill. <laughs> there we are. Public option, no co-pays, no deductibles, income between the private health insurance, barren pre-existing conditions. That's the proper bill. Yeah. And of course, it was then torpedoed by that mumbling lobotomized gibbon. Yes. So then, on December thirteenth, um, Joe uh, Joe Lieberman, the right wing yeah. independent Democratic senator from the Connecticut, you know is? from Connecticut. Uh, yeah, he's uh, Joe Lieberman. He was Al Gore's running mate. Ah, yeah, I knew reckon I knew I, I recognized the name Lieberman from somewhere. Yeah, two thousand Al Gore's running mate. Yep, that, that's the the wise senator yeah. Lieberman. Can, 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 I please, can I please just say the fact that he's a right wing independent Democrat senator from Connecticut is a tongue twister yeah. at heart. <laughs> yeah, okay, let me give you the context behind that. So, first of all, he was always a conservative DLC Democrat. He lost the primary in 2006 for the Democrat Senator Prince Ned Lamont, and then he was able to run as an independent and won as an independent. Mm. So, he's not, okay. like, he's, not, he's not like Bernie Sanders, who is an independent because the Democrats. He ran and won as an independent primarily because Karl Rove and the, and the Labour unions were giving him a lot of money. Which is, I must say, the funniest yeah. coalition I've ever heard of. Carl Rove, George W. Bush's white right hand man, and labor unions are funding your campaign. That's like Linton Crosby and Mick Lynch. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yes, I, well, yeah, so anyway, yeah, so. Um, he decided he would not support the option of Medicare or Medicare buy-in, so it was so it was then dropped. And then, then six days later, on the nineteenth, December two thousand nine, they lowered the medical device taxes to help Senator Evan Boy, uh, Evan. Bay, Boy, Bay, oh, Evan Bay, Evan Bay, 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 Bay of Indiana to vote yay. And yeah, four it, days it, later, they pronounce it this way: get yeah, rid of the a, y, and h for a u and a y. Oh, so why did you not spell it like that? Because they're from America and they're from Indiana and they spell things <laughs> weirdly. Right, okay. So, um, anyway. Uh, so, 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 basically, voted there. Well, his so family ran that bloody state, there. you know, the buys. You know that? Did they? Yeah. Birch mm. Bay ran this. Birch Bay was the senator from in the 70s and 80s. Birch Bay's dad was the senator in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And then Evan Bay was the senator in the 90s and 90s. Oh, right, okay. I like those other senators where their dad had the seat because their dad had the seat and it's a monopoly of the state. It's like 
It's like, what if Hillary Clinton won into nomination 08, therefore she'd been president? And then what if Jeb Bush would become president in 2016? Now that would have been funny. Bush, Clinton, Bush, Clinton, Bush. Chelsea Clinton become president, Clinton again. There we are. <laughs> 30 years of the... all eternity, it's just Bush and Clinton. Yeah. More Bush, more Clinton. That is called a political monopoly of power. In contrast to the Democrats, who for 20 years, Roosevelt, 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 he wouldn't have walked out, oh, Roosevelt again, yeah. <laughs> well, oh. um, yeah, and, uh, and basically, um, they decided, uh, so they voted yay, and four days yeah. later, they agreed that Nebraska expansion of Medicaid, uh, Medicaid would be covered by the federal government to get the yay yeah. vote. And then so December, ben, Mr. And then, Nelson, Ben Nelson. Yeah. Yeah, and then December 2050, surprisingly, that many of them went in on Christmas because most of them like to take days off, Republicans. Um, the Bacchus, uh, the Barkus bill um, was passed into law, uh, but unlike the yeah. healthcare bill in the House, it did not take, it did not have a public option inside. Where no. the, incidents notable, uh, the incident notable for Democratic Senate, uh, Senate's Majority Leader, Harry Reid, voting no on the bill, mistakenly, and then voting yes. <laughs> The leader of the Senate Democrats voted no on his own bill and then voted yes. <laughs> That's three seconds later. It was like no, I mean, Mr. Yes, Reed. Yeah. It was literally Mr. Reed of Nevada. Can no. you? Everyone just like, what? Anyway, they just stood up and oh, like, yes, yes. Of course you can reverse it. Yes, of course you can reverse it. I mean, how do you think they got Medicare modernization in 2003 to pass? 21 oh. Senate Congress. I know Parliament, you can't. In... No parliament, you can. In parliament, you can't reverse, can you? Once you've gone into you one, can no, you? no, you can. Yes, yes. Because once you walked what... into the lobby no, no, to vote, no, no. you can't. You can't leave. No, you can because when you walk into the division in the fifteen minutes, you're twice if you're fast enough. Uh, no, because when you vote in the other lobby, the previous vote's cancelled out. So you can walk into the division lobby, the uh, yeah, lobby, no, <laughs> the I lobby. And then if you leave and the whips drag you into the no lobby, you swipe in, then the I vote's cancelled out. Ah, right, okay. That's a shame. You could just keep them voting in for each one. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you ended up were the ones that you vote for. <laughs> All the interviews vote I, I. Um, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 Oh no, change of plans, I! <laughs> Funny plan is, that's left October, let's trust. Confidence motion, and that's a confidence motion, and it was a confidence motion. Let's all punch each other in the lobby and go into the confidence motion. <laughs> do, you know she got, do you know she got heckled when she went in that night? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you know the, the fracking night, fracking vote night? <laughs> I just walked into the yeah, eye yeah. lobby. She was heckled by her own and feet. <laughs> what I would have given to be there. But you were going, oh, you're, you, you, it up for us again. Now look what you've done. <laughs> it's like Keir Starmer would now with the anti-fly sitting laws. I think if Keir Starmer came to your house and looked at your mess, he would generally make you mend your ways. 
Look at the mess you made over here. Who wants the miss mess? Look at the, look at the mess you made. I'm sorry, just the thought of that makes you want to giggle. He's a very assertive fellow. Anyways, a lovely, lovely fellow. Anyways, Harry Reid. So yeah, so throughout... I don't care if you want the toaster, nor does the whole community. Look, I, I heard you playing... Why are you playing loud music? It's not even good music. Turn it down. <laughs> I just saw you walk with your dog in the public pedestrian road. That's not... I don't care where you... It's certainly with good music. Honestly, good old care. Anyways, so yeah, that's what happened. Um, so what happened? So throughout the winter, there was extreme debates on whether or not to pass the bill, the Senate bill, and the Speaker of the House and the were not passing the Senate bill. The Senate bill is horrendous. No, no, bloody no. And Obama got very cross and walked out the meeting. And uh, what happened was Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> was about to leave. Harry Reid was about to leave. And Ron Manuel said, no, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. We're going to sit here and we're going to take the objections one by one and try and fix them. With the assumption that when the Senate, when the Congress reconvened, and when we won the Senate seat in Massachusetts, we would then pass health care in January. Yeah. Didn't go to plan. Here's yeah. why didn't go to plan. Didn't go to plan because the unthinkable the literally unthinkable, the literally unthinkable, unthinkable, unthinkable. The thing the Democrats could not have even, not even Democrats, could have done this right. We lost Teddy Kennedy's seat to a Republican. <laughs> the seat of 47 years for a Democrat, the seat the Democrats have always held, the seat the Republicans called the Kennedy seat, the People's Republic of Massachusetts, the seat of John F. Kennedy as well. They lost that to a Republican. That's ridiculous. The seat of John F. Kennedy that went to Teddy Kennedy went to a Republican in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. This is this okay. Let me explain this to people. This is like Manchester Central going conservative. <laughs> when it's 31. No, this is like Nosley. This is no, this is literally like Nosley, our safest seat in the country, 35,000 majority going conservative. That is literally how I can explain it. So they lost the 60th seat. It went to... It's been 12 years and I still can't bring myself to say it went to the Republicans. Here's why. We had a candidate, Martha Coakley, the worst Democrat candidate in history. A woman who was asked, why does she not... Why does she have so many corporate donations? She said, in contrast to what? Standing outside Fenway Park and shaking hands in the freezing cold. Again, for non-Red Sox fans, that's like someone in Liverpool West Derby saying, like what, standing outside Anfield shaking hands. <laughs> Sorry, are you in the Republican Party, woman? Because that's what they'd say. 
they'd say something as obnoxious as that. Obama tried to campaign for a words of magic, but it failed, and we lost the Kennedy seat. So it went to 59-41. And um, yep. <laughs> we were all again scratching our heads thinking, what, first of all, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, what the <laughs> hell? How have we just lost the seat of Teddy Kennedy? Secondly, there were some people that said we've got to do healthcare downsized. There's some people that say don't do healthcare. And actually, I agree with the president. His solution was this. What would Dick Daly do in this situation? <laughs> what would Richard Daly do in this situation? <laughs> I know he would repackage the bill and run it through again. And that's what we did. We said to Nancy Pelosi, Nancy, write down the most reasonable objections you can think of for that the, the House have to the Senate bill. So she wrote them down. And we used a brilliant rule that Republicans created in 2003 that any bill that saves the government money only needs 51 votes. It's how they got Medicare Modernization Act into law in 2003. So we started to use that against them. <laughs> and say, right, get the 51 Democrats, line them up. Now, will you agree to the House objections? You will. Good, good. Pass the Senate bill, Nancy. She passed it. 219 to 212. How did she pass it? You see, because in February, no, wait, oh, let's not, I'm going too far ahead of me. I'm going too far ahead of myself. I've got to reverse back, got to reverse back. So, January 29, 2010, Obama goes, you can me, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Obama goes to a Republican retreat to go and meet Republicans. Um, can't see why. I don't know why anyone would go meet with them. Apart from Tom Coburn and John Enzi, he's not anyone to talk to. Maybe a few others, Olympia Snow and a few Goodens, Susan Collins, and a few other Goodens. There's still some Goodens. There's still the Goodens, John McCain. Um, mm. He does that. He hosts the Bipartisan Healthcare Summit first, where he gets Republicans and Democrats around the table and talk to each other. And that's, and I, I mean, what's all five of those summits are pretty good to watch. They're pretty good to watch those summits. Then he goes to the Republican conference and he's giving a speech about how our system is broken, how we're all partisan. And then he points to Frank Luntz and he goes, now Frank Luntz is a Republican Party pollster and an absolute genius at language. He is one of the non-stupid Republicans. He's part of that group mm. of Republicans yep. who are not thickos. That, include, that list includes people like Newt Gingrich, Paul Ryan, Joe Gaylord, that is his actual name. That is not me being homophobic. That is his actual name. James is now searching it up. No, no it's not. It is. Jonathan Gaylord. It is a name called... He's called Joe Gaylord. Just having that, Newt Gingrich, he, he's been on Newt's podcast. Joseph Gaylord. He was a Republican consultant, and him and Frank Luntz developed the infamous contract with America, the Ten Pledges. And this responsibility out, the death penalty expansion, the beginning of the Clinton healthcare plan, not raising taxes. He and Luntz developed the contract with America. Oh, yeah, he did. He did exist. He did, yeah. He went on, went on Newt's <laughs> podcast called Newt's World. Everyone should listen to Newt's World. It's a very good podcast. If you want to hear the opposite views of everything, go and listen to Newt's World. Uh, you will hear a very intelligent man talk very unintelligent things, like a lunar colony. Why we need a lunar colony from outer space, honestly. 
He's actually really, he's not really honest. <laughs> I've got many more people like that, don't worry. So you had him, you have people like uh, John Boehner, you have people like Paul Ryan, who are, you know, very, they are intelligent people, and they have all, George H.W. Bush, James Baker, Colin Powell, who are always worth my listen. Um, mm. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, Frank Luntz. So Frank Luntz is sitting in the front of the audience, and Obama sees him, and he goes, uh, he, this is during the speech, what's he talking, he goes, uh, I see Frank Luntz in the audience, ah. And I, and, I, and I know what Frank is doing. He's taking notes of my speech. And after I get off the stage, he's going to say, the way you hit Obama on this one and the way you box Pelosi in this one. And, and, I, and I like Frank. He's a good man. And Frank once said privately, when the President of the United States points at you and calls your name, the first thing you try not to do is faint. <laughs> so... And the interesting thing about this is interesting is when the Republicans conference in the, the this is this is not the Baltimore conference I referred to, this is another conference. And they all leave. And the Republicans, Cantor, Ryan, Pence, Boehner, they just look like death. <laughs> they just look. And that's the issue. So yeah. what happens? They come back in, in February, and the Democrats have 205 votes in the House to get healthcare done. So what do they do? They go to, they know they need 14 votes to get, 13 votes to get past the House. Okay? So who do they get the votes from? Now, unleash Congressman Bart Stupak. I'm a big, Bart, I'm a fan of Congressman Bart Stupak. Why am I a fan of Bart Stupak? He is the one of the few pro-life Democrats in the House. He's not even a conservative. He's actually pretty liberal, Bart Stupak. Just about everything, but he is. Just except for abortion. And he carries, well, he's not the yeah. one Doug Frank. He's nearly under Frank, but he's a very liberal guy. And he brought his 13 pro life Democrats. And they were not going to vote no. And they, their quarrel was they wanted health care. How could they not? They were pro life. Well, they didn't want federal funding for the abortions. Yeah. So Obama and Ram Manuel decided to eight weeks basically just he's just irritating. So then two years before they, like, they come with a brilliant solution. This is Ram Manuel's genius with Bart Stupak. The conversation of Bart, what if we decide to write it as an executive order? There's no federal funding for the abortion. And therefore, we wouldn't need mm. the bill, but the president will sign it into law. Will that get your votes? And he said, Yes, you have my votes. They're good. Let's put it into law then. And if like the law, no federal funding for the abortions, done. Which is an easy thing to write because there's because there is no there's never been such a thing as federal funding for the abortions. It does not exist. It never has existed. It never will exist. But that got Bart Stupak in his 13, that got to 218. So what happened? Um, and I'm not saying that as a, as a as a demagogic statement, as literally even Planned Parenthood accept that is a factual evidential point. That there has never been a federal dollar that's gone to abortion because it's always on the statewide practice. So that's what we call a symbolic concession. Yeah. It achieves nothing, but it makes us all feel better. Um, everyone on the abortion question, you should we should all try and take the Joe Biden view on this question, which is we are all pro-life in, in our personal matters and we are pro-choice in reality. That is. That is the way yeah. you handle these things. Uh, 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 we love Joe Biden. 
And then there's something in the media saying, oh my God, Joe Biden's fallen off the stage. And <laughs> he just saved America from a debt default that would have caused the third Great Depression. Your point, the second Great Depression. Your point is, man falls off stage. <laughs> it, it, I mean, when I'm in the media, I always think of that story from Ian Hislop of Private Eye, where it was after uh, Prince Louis was born in the royal family. And Ian, and Ian Hislop, there's a photograph of Kate and William with a headline saying, Woman has a baby. <laughs> that that is it. That yeah. is private. Uh, yeah, best private eye cover: the bipolar Grand Old Duke of York. Because when he was up, he was up, and when he was down, oh, he was down. And someone with bi bipolar wrote to Private Eye, saying, "I I saw your cover, the bipolar Grand Old Duke of York." Grandel uh, Duke of York, and um, when I read saw this, I was really, really angry. A couple of days later, I saw the scan. I found it really, really funny. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, so yeah, so after Bart Stupak and the thirteen House Democrats talk for it. They call the bill, and they get it through. 219, 212. Mm. They, I think it's 38 House Democrats rebel, but it passes. It actually yeah. passes. Healthcare reform is signed and enacted into law. March 23rd, yeah. 2010. The best day since 1965. Healthcare reform is passed. And how is this beautifully summarized? Well, when they started in 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 the press, not press room, it's the um, well, no, it's not OELB, it's um, that corridor thingy. The corridor lobby. The name for it. Let me ask Chat GPT. What well, name of the corridor? No, it's not the Oval Office. It's that long corridor they walk down where they always sign the bills. Oh, the oblong room. <laughs> What's it called? There's actually a name for this. I'm going to be the White House connoisseur, and I don't even know the name for this. What is the name? The oblong room. Of, of, oh, shit. Oh, I might have the triangle for you. With, with the room where in the White House, where the President signed, no, where President Obama signed healthcare. The East Room, that's it. They sign it in the oh. East Room. <laughs> Before pres not, it's not called the Oblong Room, no, it's the East Room, the East Room. Uh, as I'm in the East Room, President Obama is about to give a really good speech, and Joe Biden hugs him and puts in it on mic, right? Joe Biden, and goes, This is a big fucking deal. <laughs> on mic! <laughs> this is a big fucking deal. And everyone's like, You're the vice president, you can't swear. 
I beg to differ. Joe Biden had seen the Kennedy plan, the Nixon plan, the Carter plan, the Kennedy plan, the Bush plan, the O'Neill plan, the Clinton plan, the Moynihan plan, the Dole plan, the Bro plan, the Kucinich plan, the Pelosi plan, all die, all 14 of them die in his time in the Senate, and he finally seen one Democrat healthcare reform plan pass. He, after 45 years, he's allowed to swear, he's allowed to enjoy that victory. Thank you very much, goodbye. So, he signed the bill, and he's rightly seen as a monumental accomplishment for the Democrats. I'd argue it's the biggest accomplishment mm-hmm. they've had done since Medicare. It is a huge, huge yeah. achievement. Um, so yeah, does that explain how they got it passed into law? Or have I not really achieved much in this episode? Yeah, it is. I, I, I think mm-hmm. we've done that. Yeah. Well, well, we, well, we've discussed what happened to law. Should we discuss what I actually said? Should we actually discuss the provisions of this law now? Discuss the, the mechanisms of passing it into law. Yeah, well, 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 can you do a brief summary of what what they said rather than? Well, go go on then. Go on then. Why don't Why don't you read up the provisions? <clears throat> I'll read out like a you know, guy who does a football score for Manchester United one, Liverpool two. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Uh, Do you know what? Why didn't we read uh, out like the Why didn't we read out like the Cheltenham Grand the Grand Horse Racing? <laughs> what really? Wait, should I do that right now? And if I, when I when I do it, then you should be like a proper normal human being. You go on. Then. All right, let's do it. <laughs> I need my water to wet the whistle. Okay. So at the starting gate, the pre-existing, no, the pre-existing conditions no longer being a reason to deny people for any of their healthcare. That's followed by quickly by the states will require to provide coverage for those with insurance and those children who don't have insurance. Then out comes the gate, the insurance premiums could only be cut, cut by three times more than that any of the older people because it's like by age. Then comes the essential healthcare benefits. Oh, that's got a good corner of the first run there. It's coming out of a good chance there with the essential health benefits for the elderly. There, it's coming out there with the ambulance days and the corner days and the hospital stays and the immunizations and the vaccinations and the coverage for basic operations and wellness and beans. But out of the race now comes that they are unstable. The uh, annual lifetime coverage has jumped over the hurdle quite well, followed by the insurance that's a bit of dropping people when they become ill. They're coming now around the second corner quite well, but they have a followed by maximum limits. Maximum limits doing quite well with only 6% on outcome based payments. That's quite good. That's quite good. Now going forward onto the third corner, going to the third corner. All preventive care to be covered with vaccinations, no co-pay, social insurance, followed by the tearing system. The tearing system now going to have the vaccinations with 69% of out-of-pocket costs covered by the insurance companies with the tearing glands of bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. Coming forth now, coming forth now to the insurance with 85% premium, 85% premium for insurance companies. They're going forward now. And it's going forward with the exchange idea. Exchange clocks did personally in the head. Medicaid expansion much farther high now. Medicaid expansion is $20,000 below, but they're still behind. It's chip deregulation's crushing at the start because it doesn't quite work. They're not doing very well, not doing very well there. Young ch- children's going to stand their plans until 26. It's cruising ahead due to the brilliance of the plan. Businesses, more than 50 people on their plan cannot get insured. That taxation, they're still the starting gates. So they're not doing very well. Yet to a medical device tax, that's literally crashed with injury. And Medicare reform is cruising ahead to the last corner now. They're very good. Because that is a good plan, and people wanted to have the medical reform done with bundled payments. The ACA over Medicare HMO is doing very well. I have to start the coming to the end of the line now. It's gone. Medicare prescription does a 50% cut and it's off the line, jolly good. And I now realize 
That's something more like Jeremy Clark can do on the fastest lap of pocket. <laughs> well, that's for, pe- for people who um who don't have the ability to do it at 0.5 speed. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I do that as a normal person now? Go on then. Do you want to do, you want to do it as a normal person? Go on then. Well, t- to be honest, James, I think in the in the seven years you've known and liked me, have I ever been come close to a normal person? Ah. <laughs> uh, no. 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 <laughs> no. Uh, have I even tried? No. Yeah. 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 But anyway, uh, so. I love that. Do you know the greatest but, but, moment on TV all the time? It's when on Top Gear they're doing the scoreboard. <laughs> it was what was it? it was mine. You got 580. No, no, minus, minus 580. <laughs> minus 580. <laughs> It was when they were driving around Luca. Do you know when they, when Hammond and Clark were around Luca, and they were scoring yeah. each other, and they were specifically showing Richard Hammond just got naught on everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, for those of you who could not be bothered resetting at the point five speed, to actually hear me speak like a normal human. Sorry, one point five. Hear me speak like a normal person. Let's go through, I'll go through half of Visions and James can go through. Actually, no, James, you go through the first half, I'll go through the second half. Oh, okay. So, pre-existing conditions were no longer a reason that you could not be denied healthcare. Uh, pre-existing mm-hmm. conditions used to be, it used to include such as autism, depression, domestic violence, chronic pain, being too young, being too old, or asthma, all, all, of, all of those are uh, pre-existing conditions. Um, or, as just, or as James would just say, or as James would just say, being ill. Yes, yes, I did say that early on, yeah. Yeah, yes, you're quite right, you're quite right. I like that when I'm taking that down. But from now, whenever I say yeah. that, I will now say, my good friend James Roxburgh says, being ill is a pre-existing condition these bastards. Yeah, um, states were required to provide coverage that, to those individual children who did not have uh, insurance via their families. Insurance premiums could uh, could only vary by age, not by condition, with limits to three times more for the elderly than the young. The first time it was a central health benefits or minimum standards of care with ambulance care, hospitalisation, maternity, newborn care, mental health and substance use disordered services were covered. Prescription drugs, behavioural health treatment, rehabilitative and habilitative services and devices, laboratory services, preventative and wellness services and chronic disease management, uh, paediatric care and denial and, vis- uh, and dental and vision care. Uh, all annual, uh, all annual and lifetime coverage limits would be scrapped. Uh, yeah, insurance, yeah, insurance are forbidden from dropping big, uh, dropping people when they become ill, uh, which Repeat is kind that. of the whole piece. Oh yes, insure insurers were are forbidden from dropping uh, people when they become ill. The whole reason that they exist. Um, there, there is seven million people in two thousand and seven were taken out of their insurance when they became ill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a maximum limit placed on all out-of-pocket costs to 6% of yes. income, and the rest must be covered by the insurance company. Any yes. preventative care, vaccinations, and medical screenings were not to, be, uh, to include deductions, co-pays, and social insurance. There would be a, tar- a tiering system with bronze, silver, and gold, and platinum, Oh, sorry, my hate is coming. Uh, from yeah, 60 somewhere. to 90 percent. 
Yeah, from 60 to 90% of cost on the upward scale, with the bronze plan having low premiums, high out-of-pocket po- uh, out cost, and platinum premiums having high premiums and low out-of-pocket cost. Insurers were told to spend 80 to 85% of premium dollars on coverage costs. Are you going to take the rest now, Dave? Uh, indeed, I am. Go on, Dave. I'll scroll down. You were up to the tiering system. Uh, no, I'm on the second Medicaid. last page. I'm on Medicaid. I'm on Medicaid. It led, so, of course, led, yeah. Medicaid is expensive to those below yeah. $20,000 a year could get Medicaid, which is, of course, free health care for the poorest in society. And they decided to reform Medicare by putting a 0.9% tax on the richest. Those were $200,000 a year, 0.9% tax. Now, if you want to reform Medicare taxes, <laughs> what you have to do is raise FICA from 1.45 basic rate to 4.5 basic rate, and the 0.9 cents surcharge to 2.4%. That gives you $1.1 trillion, not $304 billion, being cut Medicare spending down from $400 billion to $100 billion, and for administrative procedures, therefore, Medicare remains solved until 2081. That's a very brief, very brief outline of the complexness of Medicare reform, which is a very complex thing that I understand, because I spent a lot of, my, a lot of the last many days sitting trying to understand the logistics of paying in bundle payments rather than fee for service payments. <laughs> I've had to do something the last two years. I can't, I can't just sit and ruminate. Um <laughs> applying for S chip, which is of course the state children's health insurance program. I'm gonna stop getting polar mints now. They're not actually helping me, just making my breath hurt. My mouth hurt. To get S-CHIP was now liberalised in that people could now come into the, social, the state children's health insurance programme. That was, of course, created by Teddy Kennedy and Orrin Hatch in 1997, passed by Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich in 1997. And it means children could now get essential health care benefits free of charge. It's a very good idea. Uh, children and adults, could, young adults could stay on their parents' plan until age 26. And businesses of more, the more than 50 decided not to write people with health insurance would be taxed. Which I think is a very good idea, which the Republicans, of course, got rid of. The electrical, the, there will be fun. Oh, well, if Republicans got rid of it, it means it's a very good idea. Uh, there was funding for MRSA, so hospitals wouldn't be dirty. And on that point, if hospital people spent more time worrying about cleaning the hospital clean as they do about built as they do about putting glass walls in old hospitals, we'd have very clean hospitals right now. And we also have funding for electric, electric, electronic, electric, electronic medical records, which is a very good thing, as mm. long as you have paper medical records as too. Next, uh, Medicare reform for bund- ah, this was a very good reform. So Medicare decided instead of paying for individual services, we were going to pay people for specific reasons for services. So hip replacements, knee replacements, cancer treatments, they would get payments from Medicare, not just here's, I mean. It's such a stupid idea. Look, the purpose of fee for service in Medicare is Medicare is the doctors give it a med- charge Medicare for something, and Medicare reimburses them. That is literally the point. Now it's Ella, your cash grant your block grant You know, take the block grant and get lost. Not how it works. Medicare for your fee. Look. Otherwise, I mean, look, with America, I mean, as Mark Cuban, I'm a, I'm now my one of my guiding experts on healthcare reform says, 
if doctors and, and, and other people could actually reduce their starting costs and overinflate it as well, we have a much cheaper healthcare system. Everyone says, how expensive is it? $4 trillion is what they spend on healthcare for the worst healthcare system in the world. So spending more money, in, there's not always a solution, is it? Structural. In our case, though, in the UK, mm. it is. It, it really is. It's just yeah. we're spending the money in the wrong place. Everyone goes, we're more money to the interest more than ever before, aren't we? Oh, no, no. NHS spending has only risen by £10 billion in the last 13 years. Private health spending has risen by £77 billion in the last 13 years. So the NHS has only received a 10.1% increase in the last 13 years. Private health has received a 700% increase in the last 13 years. I wonder why the NHS has deteriorated in the last 13 years. And now you've got both parties saying all we need now is more private involvement. I have a solution for that idea. Yeah. I believe anyone who's taken any money from the private health insurance industry should be barred from standing for parliament. There should be a list of groups, a list of groups like the armaments industry and the pharmaceutical industry and the insurance industry. And if you've taken money from them, you are not allowed to stand for parliament. Oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And then we would start, that would start to clean up the politics. The politicians are very good, but we need to, we need to do, it's like take the MPs and their expenses. And people go, well, how do we, expenses are everything? No, no, expenses are a very good thing. Here's how you reform the MPs' expenses laws. You first, you take 200, you take staff salaries out of expenses. You put 200,000 pounds into a separate fund managed with an IPSA that's only for MPs drawn for their staff salaries. The yeah. average MP's expense bill would then fall by 90%. Yeah. Easily. 90%. Because now this will be the, the odd Tories bill claims with their duck house and their Algar building and the next window or whatever. But most of them make their staff salaries. So let's, let's not make, as, as Reverend Jackson would say, let's make sense. Let's make sense. Um, but yeah, that's my yeah. solution. Keep no private health insurance money in politics. Uh, next up. And the council care organisation is basically a Medicare-based HMO. So you basically be someone regulating Medicare hosp hospitals to take on Medicare patients. The ACO would reckon would have to regulate them. I think it's very good, very good. And Part D, my favourite one, Medicare Part D, uh, introduced by Mr. Billy Towson. Their drug costs will be cut by fifty percent by cutting the price of drugs by fifty percent from Part D patients. Oh, Sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. I'd vote for the Affordable Care Act because I'd vote it's any step to get towards healthcare reform. As anyone with half a brain cell, it's not the best plan, but it's still better than George Bush trying to partially privatize it. Yeah. And then Paul Ryan, and then Paul Ryan doubling down on the partial privatization with premium support plan in 2012, which was, as Joe Biden pointed out, wasn't a, it wasn't a premium support, it was a voucher. It was a voucher plan. It was still turning Medicare into a voucher for private health insurance. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm pro the Obamacare law. And that's why it's still 12 years on. It's still there. It's still there. And no Republicans going to get rid of it. Well, let's see. Let's see. They might try again, those morons. 
Tribaldi. So I need to go further. I need to go further whilst he's still got time. Sorry? So I need to go further whilst he's still got time with the before they take back the White House, if they do take them back the White House. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Were you listening to that, James? I've got a listening now. You ask, what, what, what did I say? Mm. Is that your question? Yeah, what did I say? You said loads of stuff, though. <laughs> mainly, mainly just talking to Republicans is the main thing you did. Yeah, I mean, that is literally because I've stopped doing American episodes because I just can't resist insulting these people. Yeah. I mean, I've gone to what was educated in the school of Bill, educated school of Frank Luntz, now being educated in the school of Bill Maher on Republicans, which is the which is the purpose of Democrats is the Democrats in America were put on there to do one thing, drag the ignorant hillbilly half of this country into the next century which for them is the 19th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there we are on that more r- r- robust note to the podcast. I think yeah, we've robust ending, robust ending. I think we've done a good job informing people this week about health, Obamacare. Well, yes, of course we have, Dad. I, I, would say, I would say right now we are the leading podcast to inform people on Obamacare. <laughs> We are, the leading podcast. we are the number one podcast in on on going on innocuous historical details and banging yeah. on about them till you get them. But but yeah. that is there is a market for that. There is a market for being informed yeah. on history. Yeah. And we're topping the charts. We are topping the charts in that regard. Yeah. My to our 36 listeners, thank you for your continuing support of the Big Issues podcast. Your your support is dearly beloved by me and my affection for you is undying. Uh, until you stop listening to the podcast and then I, of course, will think you are a class traitor. Um, <laughs> but until then, you're a good friend of the podcast. Yeah. Maybe you should have a patron network. Yeah. <laughs> Every weekend, start reading out. And the new patrons this week are, let's read them one by one. Ah, good chat, good chat, and all these things. And yeah. do a Q&A on it. Maybe, um, after your exams, we'll start looking at ways to innovate. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, start, maybe start the whole podcast afresh. No, no, maybe. no. We've come, we've come too far to claim that now. We're 65 episodes in. <laughs> this is episode 65. Wow. Quite a few quite a few episodes that isn't it there? Sixty-five of a podcast. <laughs> actually, I'm actually proud of that. It's the one thing apart that I've actually done consistently. Yeah. It's the yeah. one thing in a long time that I haven't basically thrown in that I've done it. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of this. Right, next week, if it's 9th of June, oh. Ah, shit, it's Friday. We can't. Well, are you here? Are you be free next Saturday? Or no, James? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it should be, yeah. All right, we'll do next Saturday. Then. Next Saturday, we'll pick another interesting topic. Britain, yeah. I promise. 
I promise I'll be Britain. Uh, we've done two. We made up for our lack of American politics for a couple of weeks. We made up for it now. Yeah. Um. We're back on to our friends. We'll go back to our British friends. Doing what? I don't know. But we'll pick something quite innocuous and interesting. Until then, good day, listeners. See you next week on Saturday.